This episode is sponsored by Vespicon. Do you need a specialist to weigh in on your cases? Vespicon partners with specialty veterinary practices so you can offer specialty care on the cases that need it. You can continue managing your cases while actively collaborating with dedicated board-certified specialists. Vespicon provides you with a dedicated liaison, a network of specialists on demand, collaboration through the entire case life cycle, and communication that suits your busy schedule. Visit Vespicon.com to learn more. That's V-E-S-P-E-C-O-N.com. We, we understand that we are changing the dynamic a little bit in ways in which people seek support. It's okay to you know speak to a specialist that we are not here to make anybody feel like they are practicing good quality medicine. We are here to empower you and support no matter what your means are at your facility or in your area. From the Texas Veterinary Medical Association in Austin, Texas, this is Veterinary Vitals, a podcast that focuses on current news in the Texas veterinary profession. I'm your host, Audrea Wood. Today we speak with Dr. Kenneth Pierce about outsourcing specialty care. Dr. Pierce is a graduate of Louisiana State University School of Veterinary Medicine. He completed a rotating internship in small animal medicine and surgery at the University of Tennessee College of Veterinary Medicine. He was an ophthalmology intern at the Eye Care for Animals and Biological Test Center in California, and he completed his residency in ophthalmology and received his master's degree at the Michigan State University School of Veterinary Medicine. Dr. Pierce, can you please introduce yourself? Yes, uh, my name is Kenneth Pierce. I am a veterinary ophthalmologist. Uh, I've been practicing for over uh, 16 years of ophthalmology now, and um, originally from New Orleans, Louisiana, and have uh, lived all throughout the nation um, over the past years. But uh, now, um, between the Plano, Texas, and uh, Shreveport, Louisiana area. Awesome. We love Louisiana. Well, where did you go to veterinary school, and how did you get into it? Yeah, I uh, went to Tuskegee for undergrad uh, and um, went to LSU for vet school, being uh, from New Orleans there. I got into veterinary medicine uh, early on, as a young kid, I wanted to be a doctor was my path, but I didn't want to work on people. And so through the guidance of uh, some family members, they opened my eyes to veterinary medicine as being a potential career. And at the time growing up in New Orleans, the only or one of the prominent veterinarians there was a gentleman named George Robinson. And so I uh, spent some summers with him getting experience uh, in high school and then uh, applied to Tuskegee. Then obviously that transitioned into uh, going to LSU for vet school, which was great, really good experience there. And then um, in vet school, I knew I wanted to be a specialist uh, and had actually initially particular interest in neurology uh, and then a second interest for cardiology 
And then come third year, the neuro-opto class was combined and ophthalmology was this exciting brand new, new language skill set uh, that was out there in the world. And uh, uh, I was like, oh yeah, I can see myself doing it because it combined medicine and surgery and it's a, its own organ in itself. And you can see any animal and go anywhere and do it. And so I was like, oh, that checked all the boxes. Let me go from there. So ophthalmology it was, and I had ophthalmology pretty early on in uh, my clinical year, uh, fourth year, and then externships from there met and networked with new uh, ophthalmologists, and that just kind of fur further fueled the fire there. Then from LSU, did an internship, small animal rotating internship at the University of Tennessee, then an ophthalmology internship, specialty internship in Southern California with a um, contract research lab, as well as with uh, Eye Care for Animals Group in Tustin, California. Then from there, uh, four-year residency with a master's degree at uh, Michigan State University. Uh, so really enjoyed my time uh, at MSU. Moved to LSU, um, became faculty down there, uh, was faculty there for a little bit over a year and a half, and then decided to go into private practice and uh, started um, practicing out in New Jersey at Garden State Veterinary Specialist. Practiced out there for about five years uh, and then came down to uh, Plano, Texas, and, and was working with John Warren at Veterinary Eye Institute for a little over two years, I believe, two, two and a half years. From there, decided to start my own uh, business and service the underserved area of Shreveport, Louisiana, addressing all of northern Louisiana, east Texas, and southern Arkansas, as there's never been an ophthalmologist in this area kind of permanently to uh, service this community. Uh, the, the clients here have been, you know, traveling three to four hours uh, to seek uh, specialist help. And um, the opportunity, you know, just came right about as, um, you know, there's a large practice out here that had room and space and needed, needed some specialty services to be filled. So Oh my down. goodness. Yeah. So I've, I've been all over the nation. Holy moly. Yeah. You're telling there. me <laughs> where did you like living the most? Yeah. So I would tell you, so definitely my personality is pretty uh, calm and open. So, uh, and growing up in New Orleans, you know, New Orleans has a lot of culture and the people make the culture. So my mind was always open to going to new places and meeting people and just experiencing what their culture is. And um, I think that made it real easy to be able to live in all these various places. Now, the place that I love the most are, uh, or I like the most as far as living, obviously would be California, just cause you know, it's sunny all day, every day. You, you're a couple hours from the beach, a couple hours from the mountain, if you want to go skiing, Football NFL comes on as soon as you wake up at like 10 or 8 a.m. That time is like 10 or 12, whatever, East Coast or 10 a.m. is, you know, 12 East Coast time. So games are on, you know, life is good. But no, California was great. At, surprisingly, well, honestly, 
all the places that I've been to uh, are really good. Like I wouldn't mind going back to Michigan and living there. Uh, winter's a little long. Same thing on the East Coast. The East Coast has its own, you know, vibe and personality. That's so cool. That's something I I would always love to do because I'm very curious about different cultures. Do you have any recent cases or findings to share that maybe your ophthalmology peers or veterinarians would be interested in hearing? From an ophthalmologist to a general practitioner, some of the maybe advice or, or key things that may be of interest is just remembering like ophthalmology is all about kind of pattern recognition. Um, and one of the things when I have like visiting students come and our externs and spend some time, the first thing that we start off with is opto is like three things. It's a light source, it's magnification, and it's pattern recognition. And if you can recognize those r- things, then all in all, everything should come a little bit easier as far as trying to decipher what is really going on within the eye and then kind of what I need to do from there. So in particular, like speaking about the cornea, some of the patterns that we typically see or color patterns that are uh, typically uh, coming on is if it's blue in color for the cornea, it's fluid or edema within it. If it's red, it's blood vessels or hemorrhage. If it's yellow or white to yellowish, um, it is cells, so kind of like pus there. Uh, obviously, if it's brown or black, that would be like pigment. So, uh, And then there are shades of white and refractile, uh, which would be kind of oil and water, so almost like that in the cornea, or like milk white in the cornea, which would be kind of like mineral. So milk white has branching lines, can be more like mineral. And then um, the last one is kind of a gray haze. So indistinct borders um, that are gray will be similar to like scarring or fibrosis there. So if you kind of keep those corneal patterns or color patterns and related to the cornea, some of that can also be uh, extrapolated into things like within the eye itself or on the retina, for example. So white in the anterior chamber of the eye would be like white blood cells or pus. So that just lets you know that there's significantly more inflammation within the eye or even red and inside the eye would be hemorrhage there. Um, uh, A white opacity within the eye itself, not necessarily on the cornea is usually and it's not in the anterior chamber, so if it's not cells that have settled down, but it's like right through the pupil, will be more consistent with like a cataract there. Um, and then when you're looking at the retina, some of the images that you may see with the retina will be either hemorrhage or evidence of a retinal detachment, which could be detached from either fluid underneath the retina, which will make the retina take on a slightly grayish hue and the reflection be a little dull or you can have hemorrhage underneath it, which obviously blood looks like blood everywhere. Uh, and then obviously pus or exudate uh, retinal detachment will look like this white to yellow material underneath these blood vessels that's coursing over the top of it. Thank you, I appreciate that answer. You're very passionate about veterinary medicine. So what brings you joy in your job? When you're having a really bad day, what reminds you why you do what you do? 
so two things I would say would be the, the biggest things that remind me and, and bring me joy in what I do. Um, one is clients as well as referring veterinarians saying on a daily basis, thank you for being here. Like, thank you for helping us, for supporting us, for providing this service that has been the most kind of gratifying thing and make me feel like I'm a value, right? I am contributing to not only these pets' success, but the client's overall happiness and well-being, being able to take care of their loved ones, and then the veterinarians to support them because they are, you know, doing their best to tackle all these issues that are coming their way with um, pets as well as with clients. So, um, so that is always gratifying. And then uh, the second thing is that the glaucoma ones are the, that go the right way, which are usually few and far between those are like, yeah, like I really did something. I'm, I'm a man. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And especially being where you are, they're not being another ophthalmologist within so many miles. I can imagine how vital you are to all the veterinarians and pet owners in that area who really need an ophthalmologist to step up and help them out. I'm sure they're extremely grateful. Yeah. Well, on the other side of things, have you ever experienced burnout in the profession or some form of it? And how did you cope with that? Yeah, and I, th I think we all experienced that probably more than what we probably truly attribute. But my form of burnout is when uh, simple mistakes are starting to be made that typically uh, wouldn't be. And then just kind of coping with it, I think I do a good self-reflection and uh, and evaluating scenarios. Like, so after something may have happened, just kind of really thinking about what caused it to be that way for cases, you know, uh, I'm always thinking about what could have been done better or what did I do that deviated this situation from a previous one and what was that outcome? And from a client perspective, usually, you know, we're all humans and people are stressed and a lot of some of the random craziness that we may get from uh, clientele mainly comes from other things that they have going on in their lives. That's not necessarily what's happening currently at that time of the appointment, but that energy is brought to the appointment. And just being able to remember like, hey, it's not your problem, right? It's something that they're addressing and we just have to do our best to help kind of redirect and refocus them on everything's going to be okay. This is what's going on. For the eyes, it's not too many things that is uh, like terminal. We're talking about dealing with terminal disease. We're not sometimes dealing with a lot of stress and major issues. I think probably the biggest thing would be those cases that the animal may lose the eyes or really nasty ulcer or uh, animal may go blind. Uh, so, you know, a glaucoma case or someone, an uh, animal that has already gone blind and has acute blindness for some reason and having to try to figure that out and, and resolve that amongst people's financial budget too, because that also is a stressor. Yes, money is a stressor for people. And it's always challenging to not take some things personally 
whenever you're there trying to help and be unbiased, check every box, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I can imagine that's hard and you have to reset yourself a lot. And then post pandemic too, you know, everyone is now sheltered for a period of time and now we're getting back to how we used to be and having to try to navigate that space for some people is a little harder than others. Yes, people locked themselves in their houses and forgot how to act in public is what I think happened. <laughs> but I think a lot of veterinary professionals have done such a great job through the pandemic of communicating some of the challenges that they're facing. What with the curbside visits we had for a while, all the changing restrictions, it was a chaotic time and veterinary clinics did a fantastic job serving our communities. Yeah, there's a higher pet population now. A lot of vets have retired, so there's a lot more demand on general practitioners. Uh, and then even the specialty hospitals, depending on where you're located, they are few and far between. So that's another kind of bottleneck to patient care, right? Yes, there's a lot of opportunity out there for veterinarians. There's the Rural Veterinary Incentive Program that we have now in Texas. So hopefully that will draw more veterinarians out to those underserved areas. Well, have you ever had a pivot in your career within the profession? Yeah. So just as we were talking about the bottlenecks of higher pet population, increasing retirement of uh, veterinarians and then few specialty hospitals, and starting with uh, Veterinary Vision Center out in Shreveport, Louisiana, so servicing that area. Within <clears throat> the year of being out here, there was uh, an oncologist and I were the only two specialists in the area. And then uh, that oncologist subsequently got a better position at another facility. And so here I am, the only specialist. So looking at the profession and what is going on, started to think about, okay, there's got to be a solution to be able to get these veterinarians uh, some support, some specialist support. And so I started a new company called VespaCon, which stands for Veterinary Specialty Consultants. And it is a veterinary advisory support and concierge referral service where we basically are your uh, hospital's investment in their doctor. So our business motto is uh, hospitals basically become members of VespaCon and all the veterinarians within the hospital have unlimited advisory support where they can request unlimited number of consultations every month to speak with one or multiple specialists at the same time about either cases or topics or even just to kind of get affirmation at their path or like if they're seeking specialty certification and want to discuss a disease process, right, and have a conversation. So with that membership, our platform is set up to where it's a virtual consultation. So it's not just uh, trying to get somebody on the phone. We want you to have a personal relationship with our advisors. Um, and that just breeds just good continuity of care. We are working with you and supporting you uh, along the way. Typically, the video consultations are roughly around 10 to 15 minutes. Since it's vet to vet, vet specialist to veterinarian, the information is very streamlined. All of the documentation and everything associated with the case is uploaded prior to the consultation. And because it's a, a appointment based, basically you tell us when you're available and we meet you at that time. Our admin team coordinates that appointment and then the video is recorded and that's sent to you for your record. So now you have all the details of what has been done as well as the advisor immediately types up a brief summary of what was discussed. So now you have immediate information and now you're the specialist. 
at your practice. So the second component of what we do is the concierge referral. As I've traveled throughout the nation, some of the conversations I had with veterinarians was either reluctance to refer or nowadays it is because they can't get in, they can't get their client into the place, the hospital right away. Some services or some places it's like three to four weeks they're booked out. That's problematic, right? And cases kind of fall apart. Looking at that and looking at, again, how busy the general veterinarian is, let's make a service to where we make that appointment for you guys. Y'all get back to practicing, let us schedule that and let us work out and build these relationships with these specialty hospitals where now your clients can get in next day or within a week rather than three to four weeks down the road and the case falls apart. And then if we do happen to fall into that situation where we can't get that client in right away. It's going to take two to three weeks or whatever, because you're a member, you still have a specialist in your back pocket, right? So if that case is starting to tank or something's starting to change, we there for you. You just let us reach out to us and we can still try to keep that case going. You know, having that specialist basically bringing specialty medicine to the general practitioners, basically what we're doing and alleviating that uh, lag time. And then the most recent thing that we've launched uh, as a part of VespaCon is radiology and cardiology diagnostic test interpretation service, right? Because one of the biggest complaints after launching uh, that we got was, you know, people can't get their x-ray reports right away. So now we are able to uh, do that as well. That's amazing. Now, how many types of consultants does VespaCon have access to? Yeah, so currently we have uh, over 32 and growing uh, consultants. We cover large, small, and exotic animal medicine, and pretty much the major staples. We have uh, anesthesia and analgesia, avian and exotics, ClinPath, which is, I think, is one of the most kind of underutilized services where general practitioners is probably, if you ever talk to a uh, clinical pathologist, you would probably learn a whole lot more. Uh, dentistry, dermatology, internal medicine, oncology, ophthalmology, emergency, critical care, neurology, cardiology, radiology, theriogenology, which is another underutilized uh, service. So equine surgery, medicine, and em equine emergency critical care. Wow, that's wonderful. I was blown away by the roster of specialists on your site. There are multiple oncologists, and so I imagine that there's more availability there if it's needed. How do you select the specialists that you work with? <clears throat> so that's a very good question. So a lot of the specialists are people that I personally either worked with or uh, have known throughout the years. Like, uh, for example, Forrest Cummings was my intern mate at University of Tennessee. Coretta Patterson was an internist at Michigan State when I was there doing my residency. Amanda Beck is an oncologist who was an LSU grad of mine. She was actually two years ahead of me in uh, vet school. The initial group was individuals that we've all worked together across paths. So I knew what the quality of medicine and quick care that they would be able to provide. Yeah, that's great. It sounds like you have a wonderful team and lots of dedicated specialists to rely on. So what is the process like with VespaCon once a hospital comes on board? What does that look like? 
Yeah. If you are interested, the easiest thing to do is uh, on our website, um, either select contact us or sign up. If you hit sign up, you're not like automatically signed up and obligated. It just as you fill out the information. So after doing that, we would basically uh, provide you with our uh, VespaCon membership agreement. Once you're signed up, we do a mock consultation with you or as your team. So everyone has an idea of how to request a consultation. How the platform will appear uh, on your device and how to use it. Um, and then after that mock call, then you're like off to the races. And then we are in the background for every video consultation just to make sure that everything is going smoothly. If it's a recheck consultation, we take the previous summary and the previous video and upload it into the recheck consultation request conversation. So that way, whether it's another doctor that's rechecking the same case, or if it's a different advisor, all parties would at least have had all of the information that was discussed last time and know where that patient is in its level of care. Yeah, that's really amazing. That brings up to me something I read on your website, which is five-star service. And that really sounds like five-star service because you're attaching notes from the previous conf- consultation, you're staying engaged, and you're personally in the background during all of these consultations. So I can see that you're not letting things slip through the cracks. It's not like an Angie list, Angie's list, or something like that, where you guys just connect your clients with somebody, give them a referral, and you're on your way. You guys are always there making sure everything's going smoothly. Yeah. Well, how can people learn more about VespaCon and get in touch? Yeah, so the easiest and simplest is VespaCon.com, V-E-S-P-E-C-O-N.com. We also are available by phone at 623-267-5474, as well as social media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining me for this podcast episode and sharing a bit about your journey in veterinary medicine and with VespaCon. It's been very enlightening. Oh yeah, you're very, very welcome. And I know that it's not often that somebody tells another veterinarian thank you. So to all the Texas veterinarians, thank y'all very much for being high quality professionals that y'all are. That was Dr. Kenneth Pierce, ophthalmologist and CEO of VespaCon. A few quick announcements. Save the date for TVMA Annual Conference in Irving, Texas, February 29th through March 3rd. It's a great place to get your CE and meet others in the profession. We hope to see you in February 2024. Veterinary professionals in the High Plains and Concho Valley are invited to join us for quality continuing education before the end of the year. We will visit High Plains on October 21st and Concho Valley on November 18th and 19th. Learn more about the sessions and register online at tvma.org. If you have any topics you'd like covered on this podcast or would like to nominate a guest, please email me at awood at tvma.org. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with a colleague and rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. A like, a share, a retweet, these are all great ways that you can support TVMA that won't cost you a dime. I'm your host, Audrea Wood. Thanks for listening.